You're listening to a Franciscan Voice podcast. Your voice for all things good. Ave Maria. My name is Brother Solanus Mary from the Wexford Friary. Tonight we will recount the life of an Irish-American Capuchin priest. I first heard of Father Solanus Casey in 1997. One particular evening in my parish in Dublin, we had a visit from a Capuchin priest to promote the Divine Mercy, as I recall. At the close of the evening, the priest spoke a few words about an American Capuchin priest whose cause was being pursued, Father Solanus Casey. He held up a little booklet about Father Solanus's life entitled The Doorkeeper, telling us only two pounds each, that's less than the price of a pint. By the way, the priest speaking in my parish was Father Leo, a Cork Capuchin priest, Father Leo spent many years in Carlow and is well known to many of you in Wexford. Much of his apostolate is dedicated to the promotion of Father Solanus Casey's cause. With a surname like Casey, listeners will not be surprised to hear that Father Solanus's people were Irish. In fact, both of his parents were born in Ireland. His father, Bernard, hailed from Castle Blaney in County Monaghan and his mother, Ellen, came from Camlock, County Armagh. Like many Irish people in the wake of the famine, Bernard and Ellen had emigrated to America whilst still young. In America, Bernard and Ellen met, married, and eventually settled down to farm in Prescott, Wisconsin. It was here that young Bernard, known as Barney, was born in 1870. His parents would have 16 children altogether. Diphtheria was a common disease at the time. This disease would take away two of the children and leave Barney with a weak voice. Wisconsin was in the heart of the prairie and not a place where Irish people settled in large numbers. This was a part of America where many Germans and Scandinavians settled. More of that anon. Interestingly, a contemporary of young Barney Casey was the American writer Laura Ingalls Wilder whose books formed the basis for the 1970s TV series The Little House in the Prairie. She grew up a few towns away. I wonder if they ever met. The Casey family worked hard on the land, with everyone doing their bit. They prospered and were able to buy more land. Unfortunately, this also meant that young Barney did not finish school until a late age. The nearest Catholic church was very far away, and they only possessed a small wagon. So weekly mass for the whole family was not possible, they had to take turns each week. This consequently delayed young Barney's first Holy Communion. However, for a good Catholic family, these were only difficulties, not impossibilities. Times became hard on the land and young Barney Casey had to seek employment elsewhere. He took a variety of jobs in the town of Stillwater and its surroundings, in the nearby state of Minnesota. One of the jobs Barney took was that of a prison officer in the state penitentiary. Here he befriended two of the inmates, Cole and Jim Younger. The Younger boys had been part of the famous James Gang, led by Frank and Jesse James. Even at such an early age, Barney had a gift of counselling people. A great, grateful Cole Younger gifted Barney a clothes trunk, which he kept for many years thereafter. I read Cole Younger's memoirs recently. Unfortunately, there is no mention of the kindly prison officer whom he knew in the state pen.
However, we do know that when Cole was released from prison many years afterwards, he spent the rest of his life on speaking engagements, helping to keep people on the straight and narrow. Perhaps he kept in contact with his old friend Barney, now Father Slanis Casey. Who knows? Barney moved on to a job as a tram driver. In fact, he was one of the first tram drivers in that part of America. Sometime earlier, he had met with a neighbouring girl, Rebecca Tobin. He now had a steady job, and so he proposed marriage to her. However, her family objected and sent her off to boarding school. He never saw Rebecca again. Barney was always a man of prayer and had a deep love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. What would he do with the rest of his life, he thought. In one of his early jobs, he had an close encounter with death. It's been over 20 years since I heard his story, but as I recall, he almost drowned after he dived into a river to try and save the life of a fellow worker. Barney always believed it was Our Lady who saved his life, as he was wearing her brown scapular. It was whilst working as a tram driver that Barney had an experience that was to change him completely, taking his life on a different path, the path to the priesthood. One day, the tram line was blocked by a crowd. On closer inspection, the crowd was around a drunken man with a bloodied knife in his hand. On the ground lay a woman, bleeding from a wound. Sometimes it takes an experience like this to spur us onto the path God has chosen for us. And that was the case with Barney. He had been thinking about the priesthood and he went at once to see the local parish priest for advice. Barney now had his heart set on the priesthood and he departed to the St. Francis de Sales Diocesan Seminary in Milwaukee. It was 1895. Unfortunately, German was the language of the seminary and Barney did not have a gift for languages. It did not work out and the following summer he returned home. What did God want him to do with his life, he thought. Barney still felt called to serve God. He was counselled by priests to try the Capuchin Franciscan order. Barney was reluctant to do so for two reasons. Firstly, the Capuchins in that part of America were a German-speaking province and he had had enough of the German language in the seminary. Secondly, the Capuchins, by custom, wore a long beard and that did not appeal to him either. Barney was counselled to apply to the Capuchins anyway. He was accepted. To convince himself of God's will, he made a novena to the Immaculate Conception in preparation for the 8th of December. He also made a private vow of chastity. As he knelt in prayer after making the vow, he became aware of Our Lady's presence. He distinctly heard a voice telling him, Go to Detroit. The Capuchin novitiate was in that particular city, so it was clear to him that Our Lady was telling him to join the Capuchins. On Christmas Eve of that same year, 1896, Barney, taking Cole Younger's trunk, entered the Capuchin Monastery of St. Bonaventure in Detroit, Michigan. Barney was permitted a few weeks to pray before entering the novitiate. He was received as a novice on the 14th of January, 1897, 
and given the name and religion Francis Solanus. He would be known simply as Solanus, because there was already another friar with the name Francis. In those days, at 26 years of age, he would have been considered a late vocation. Despite that, he stood out amongst his confriars. Some of them recalled later, I was highly edified of the care he took of the high altar. He was deeply absorbed spiritually. That's the one thing I cannot forget. Following his novitiate, the now Friar Solanus began his studies for the priesthood. Once again, languages proved to be a difficulty for him. German was the language of the house and all the subjects were taught through it and Latin. Friar Solanus struggled with his studies and his superiors believed, erroneously of course, that he did not have the intellectual ability to be ordained. The superiors asked Friar Solanus to sign a statement to the effect that he would remain in the order even if he were not approved for ordination. Ever the humble man, he complied with their request. The moral qualities of Friar Solanus shone through any doubts that the superiors entertained and his ordination was approved. One of them stated, We will ordain him. He will be like the curie d'Ars. Friar Solanus was ordained a priest on the 24th of July, 1904. Sadly, he was never granted faculties to preach or hear confessions. He would remain a simplex priest, a mass priest. A few days later, Father Solanus celebrated his first solemn mass in the presence of his parents. It was the first time he had seen his mother in eight years. He wrote, I was told that, for very joy, Papa wept all during the services at the thought that God had finally blessed his family with a priest. In time, two brothers of Father Solanus would also become priests. Over the next 20 years, Father Solanus would be assigned to various parishes in New York City, Yonkers, Manhattan and Harlem. His duties included sarcaston, doorkeeper and running sodalities. Everyone with whom he came into contact spoke highly of him. They realised that they had a holy priest in their midst. He began to acquire a reputation as someone with whom you could discuss your problems, a good counsellor. Father Solanus always encouraged his visitors to thank God in advance of making any petition. One way of doing this was to enrol their names in the Seraphic Mass Association whose purpose it was to help the Capuchin foreign missions. Before long, many miraculous cures began to happen to those enrolled. In 1923, the superiors asked Father Solanus to keep a record of special cases and any favours obtained in a purpose ledger. This he did. Favours obtained through the Seraphic Mass Association included recovery from alcoholism, cures from debilitating illnesses, missing persons found safe and well. People were soon coming to the friary from far and wide to see the holy priest. In 1924, Father Solanus was transferred to St. Bonaventure's Monastery in Detroit, Michigan. It was here that he would spend most of the remainder of his life. His principal duty in St. Bonaventure's was that of doorkeeper. The favours reported through enrolment in the SMA continued and included 
physical cures from illness. Lawsuits settled amicably. Suicides averted. Lapsed Catholics returning to the faith after many years. We can probably say that Father Solanus had the charismatic gifts of healing, of prophecy and of reading hearts. A healing with a touch of Irish humour concerns Brother Dan Brady. Brother Dan hailed from County Cavan and he had emigrated to America. He was working in the building industry in New York when he decided to enter the Capuchin Order. He took a plane from New York to Detroit and entered St. Bonaventure's Monastery. The Capuchins jokingly say that he was the first person to fly into the Order. Whilst still in novitiate, Brother Dan had developed a very serious dental condition, a tumour that required an operation. Before leaving for the dentist, he asked Father Solanus to bless the affected tooth. Later that same afternoon, a friend brought Father Solanus three ice creams. As he had visitors waiting at the time, Father Solanus put the ice creams inside his desk. Later that evening, after all the visitors had left, Father Solanus was in the office with another friar. Suddenly, Brother Dan burst into the office shouting, Father Solanus, you worked a miracle. When the dentist examined me, the tumour was gone. Thanks be to God, said Father Solanus. That calls for a celebration. Then he opened his desk and brought out the three ice creams. It was the middle of summer and they had not melted. In another case, a professed friar, suffering physical pain, had asked Father Solanus to cure him of the pain. Father Solanus refused, saying, Capuchins are meant to suffer. There is a distinction to be made here. In the case of Brother Dan, he was still only a novice, and so his vocation was at stake. If he became unwell, he could have been dismissed from the novitiate. Not so with the professed friar. Not all of Father Solanus' visitors who suffered from a grave illness recovered, but all were granted the grace of a happy death. One very sick little girl was brought in to see Father Solanus by her parents, who asked prayers for her recovery. He listened quietly and then gently said to them, You know, the dear Lord wants little angels for saints too. And so he kindly disposed them to peacefully accept the child's approaching death. Some favours granted were unusual, like this one. Following a slump in the car industry, car workers in Detroit were put on short time, causing financial hardship for many. One company, Chevrolet, began bankruptcy proceedings. A distraught employee went to Father Solanus and asked him to enrol the company in the Seraphic Mass Association. A couple of days later, an overjoyed employee returned to Father Solanus, telling him that the company had just received a huge order and employees were now back on overtime. Father Solanus said enrolment in the SMA had saved Chevrolet from bankruptcy. In 1929, the Great Depression struck and the number of those suffering financial hardship swelled. The Capuchin soup kitchen had to be expanded to cope with the increased number of poor. Father Solanus was always willing to give a helping hand. 
he had many well-off friends, Catholic and non-Catholic alike, who were only too glad to become generous benefactors of the soup kitchen. Somehow, miraculously, there was always enough food to supply the poor. The people who came to Father Solanus for counsel were a cross-section of America. Catholic and non-Catholic, rich and poor, politicians, prelates, the downtrodden, even communists. Brother André of Montreal, now Saint André, is known to have travelled down from Canada to visit him. A saintly brother meets a saintly priest. Nobody was too great or too small in the eyes of Father Solanus. Once the doorbell rang, he would leave everything, even his beloved game of billiards, and run to attend his visitor. Father Solanus never enjoyed the best of health. His superiors now worried about the strain on him brought about by so many visitors. In 1945, Father Solanus was, was transferred to New York City again, this time to Brooklyn. Crowds of visitors soon began to swell in New York too, and after one year, Father Solanus was transferred to more quiet rural surroundings, the Novitiate House in Huntington, Indiana. The superiors thought that the remoteness of this location would deter visitors, but they proved to be mistaken. Soon word of Father Solanus' whereabouts began to spread abroad, and before long busloads of visitors began to arrive at the friary. Father Solanus was now in his late 70s. It's worthwhile pausing for a moment to see what he had lived through. When he was a young boy, the Indian wars were still raging. He heard about the outlaws in the Wild West. He lived through two world wars. He witnessed the birth of the telephone, radio, cinema and now television. Post-war America was a very different society from the pre-war one. The atomic age had arrived and the Korean War was just around the corner. The Cold War was beginning and the communist threat was very real, even in America. Father Solanus recognised the signs of the times and warned about the dangers of atheism and materialism. Father Solanus's health was deteriorating. More advanced hospital care could be had in Detroit, and in 1956 he was transferred back to St. Bonaventure's Monastery. Father Solanus was diagnosed with a serious and painful skin disease. He became weaker and weaker. On the 30th of July, 1957, the provincial visited him, Father Solanus confided to him, I looked on my whole life as giving, and I want to give until there is nothing left of me to give. So I prayed that, when I come to die, I might be perfectly conscious, so that with a deliberate act, I can give my last breath to God. The very next morning, the nurse tending Father Solanus heard him whispering. Suddenly he sat up, stretched out his arms, and in a clear voice said, I give my soul to Jesus Christ. Then he lay back on his pillow, dead. As he had told his provincial, he gave his last breath to God. It was 11 o'clock on the 31st of July, 1957, the 53rd anniversary of his first Mass, to the very hour and day. His remains lay in state for two days, such were the crowds. The Requiem Mass was celebrated by his brother, Monsignor Edward Casey. 
On the 18th of November 2017 in Detroit, Father Solanus Casey was beatified by Angelo Cardinal Amato. I do hope that you have enjoyed listening to the programme tonight. So until the next time, this is Brother Solanus Mary saying thank you for listening and Ave Maria. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our website to discover other episodes at franciscanvoice.org.